Good evening, everyone. Welcome to our take on it. It's your girl, Deborah and Jackie, and we are in the studio. And today's discussion we're going to talk about is women, how powerful, how vulnerable, how passionate, how sensual. You know how, you know who we are. Yes. Sex as a passionate, uh, sense of power but also as a curse oh yes and when we start to see that we're going to use a historical and contemporary perspective on the bible and some of the famous women that are highlighted to illustrate our point bring it okay so i'm going to start out by saying deb that the bible portrays women as completely human individuals we are they had strengths and weaknesses each seeking to respond to god in a unique way Mm -hmm. now we've chosen three examples to highlight here okay the first one is bathsheba bathsheba yes let's go briefly over the story very quickly for our listeners who was bathsheba and how does this, you know, kind of set the stage for what we want to talk about? Well, you go ahead and tell, introduce Bathsheba since okay. you know so much about her. Well, <laughs> I, I just know that the Bible does put a great deal of emphasis on King David. Right. Okay. He was someone that won God's favor. As a matter of fact, he was called a man after God's own heart. Mm-hmm. And yet he committed so many sins. Okay. Bathsheba was a big one there. Okay. So we see David's story from a young boy to right up as an adult when he becomes king and he's in the palace. Well, he's a man after God's own heart. Let's not forget that. Yes, exactly. And as he was in the palace one day when he should have been on the field, you know, (laughs) commanding his soldiers because that's what he did, you know. But basically, he just decided to stay home and just roam the halls of the palace. Okay, And I'm pretty sure he, when he made that decision, there was no particular notion in question about a woman. No. He was just minding his own business. Exactly. And so then he was, what? he was minding his own business and he roamed around the terrace. And lo and behold, in the middle of the day, he happened to see the most stunning creature bathing right out in the open. And let us, uh, let's be natural about it. Isn't that the way it starts even here in today's society? Of course. A man will be minding his own business and then yep. up pop this beauty right in front of him. Yeah. And he can't help but to look. Yep. And then before you know it, he may not make any gestures, but then she certainly will give the eye gesture, give the body language, give yep. the, you know, the smooch and the wooch. And then before you know it, He's a victim. He's a victim. He's a victim. And that that was David. That was David. Because we're powerful. So basically, David was just full of unbridled lust. Yes. The minute he spotted her. (laughs) And he he sent his his men or his officials to bring her to him. Yes. Summon her. And she was brought to him. And basically, she was the wife of one of his military officers. His high-ranking military officers. But automatically, David slept with her right on the spot. Okay. And, he was burning with yeah, desire. Exactly. And sur- shortly after, she contacted him and revealed that she was pregnant. So they had a one-night stand. They had a one-night stand. <laughs> a baby was produced. And David said, oh, my goodness, I've got to cover this up. <laughs> so right away, he sent for, I think it's Eurydice. That was her husband's name. Yeah. And Eurydice was brought back from the field. And he was such a, a man of integrity and discipline that he wouldn't even make love to his wife while, they were, while the men were out on the field <laughs> fighting. So David said, you've got to get home sleep with your wife and cover up this pregnancy that I created. And Eurydice was like, nope. He wouldn't even go into his wife's bedroom. He preferred to sleep outside and go back and join his men. So David had to plot to do something about this. So basically, David um, wound up having to kill him. And, you know, so this was a huge sin. Not only did he this take... This was like a soap opera. This sounded like yeah. Nikki and, and Victor Newman. Then. Exactly. <laughs> so not only did he take Bathsheba, 
you know, and, and make passionate love to her. Now, we don't know if this was totally exploitative or if it was somewhat mutual. I think we it was consensual. I think it was somewhat consensual because here's the thing. They did wind up together. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And and basically, uh, they had four children. There you so go. So let me summarize what I thought of Bathsheba. I said that she filled many roles during her lifetime, okay? She was uh, initially the wife of David's key military officer, but she was a victim of the king's unbridled lust. And mm -hmm. she accepted that that's how things transpired right. between them, okay? She was a wife, though, in the end, who found grace to forgive her royal husband for his horrible sins against her. So she saw that there was an opportunity to build a life with David. So even though her husband was killed by David and she had to start over with him and have a baby who turned out to be one of four sons that she had with David, she found a way to make peace over how things started out in the beginning. Right. So she forgave David and she was a woman who had the strength to put the, the past behind her. She built a really strong marriage with him on one of the shakiest beginnings that anybody could ever imagine. Okay. And in the end, she won her husband's love. She won his concern and she won his respect. And that's huge considering how they started. Well, out. I must say, I have to applaud Bathsheba for being able to put the past behind her and not being able to bring it up because you know what we do. Eh? Today's modern day women, we say we forgive our husband and our boyfriends, but the minute he do something, we bring it right we bring back it up. Right back up, exactly. <laughs> so she really left it all behind. And I think that was a part of her strength. And also as a mother, she was a strong advocate for her son, Solomon, who we read about in the Bible. Right. Uh, you know, we started the this, boy. this biblical podcast with Solomon, but she absolutely adored him over all the other sons. And as a result, one of her missions, there was an attempt to succeed, have someone else succeed David on the throne. And she fought tooth and nail to protect her son, to make yeah, sure that he warrior. got that title. Yep. So she was a warrior. Yeah, that's a beautiful word, Deb. I like that. So she won David's promise that Solomon would succeed him and take the throne. So we have to admire her strength mm -hmm. and the fact that she was, uh, you know, she reminds us that even though we're vulnerable to temptation, she learned to forgive David and capitalize on his positive qualities. Through God's grace, she won his love and her son's eternal gratitude. So there's an incredibly powerful woman. So that was one of my initial picks. So I really like Bathsheba. I thought she had something. Now let's go to the true vixen, oh, shall we? Oh, let's, let's, uh, let's that, get the vixen out of the way That here. would be Delilah. <laughs> so why don't you give the initial story of Samson and Delilah and we will dissect Delilah's very <laughs> devious and highly manipulative personality. Oh, gosh. You're leaving me with Delilah? All right. Well, let's the, see. the story of Samson well, the and story, Delilah. We all know the story. Uh, Samson was a very strong, courageous man who fought many battles and won because of his strength. And one day, all that changed. It changed. It changed. So basically... By a simpler woman called Delilah. Delilah. That's right. And... So Delilah proud and you know she said how can you tell me I love you when 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 you don't share your secret this is this is um, I'm reading judges 16:15 Delilah said yeah how can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secret with me you've made you've made fun of me 3 times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong she tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick to it. <laughs> well, initially though, she had a contract with the Philistines mm -hmm. because they wanted to capture Samson. They wanted to know what gave him the strength. And if they could, they wanted to take it away. So as a result of that, 
she stood to gain a lot of money, yep. you know, by revealing the secret of his strength. So she had a plot right from the beginning. So even though she initially started to chastise Samson, she also was a seductress. And obviously she used her body as a tool in getting what she was, what she wanted for the money that she stood to gain. Right. So now, yeah. finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from, from birth. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me and I would become as weak as anyone else. Oh my goodness. And she knew that She's once like, he confessed really? it. And you know, she pretended to be low key, but basically, as you say, she got the secret of his strength and she knew that it was worth something to her. So she had someone come in in the middle of the night and cut Samson's hair. And that changed his whole life. He was, he was uh, blinded, I think, as a result of it. He lost his physical power. So, so much sadly was done to him at the hands of Delilah because he really did fall for her. Well, the truth is, right? Delilah was a deceitful woman with yep. honey on her lips yep. and poison in her heart. Yep. Cold and calculating. Yep. She toyed with Samson, pretending to love him while looking for personal gain. Yep. So how could Samson be so foolish? You know, we would exactly, ask, Exactly. That's right? what I'm saying. All right. of us could see we could her say, intention. How, how could and he? how could you be so dumb? You know, and like some most women, yeah. most women toy with men like that. And most people say, how could he be so stupid? He don't see. Like, how could she be so stupid? She don't see. Yeah. But the truth is, four times Delilah took advantage of him. If he didn't realize what was happening after the first or second experience, surely he should have understood the situation by the fourth time. Definitely. See, we think Samson is foolish, but how many times do we allow ourselves to be deceived by flattery and give in to temptation and wrong beliefs? Well, because I think we all start with the point that we don't want to believe something. But that's where the vulnerability comes in. And that's where the vulnerability in. comes in because it's just like, oh, that can't be. You yeah. Know? Or that person couldn't be after that. Because, you know, you know so, the love yeah. that they share and the, exactly. the love that they showed you yeah. is so convincing that hurt is not even in that equation exactly like yep. deceit is not even in that equation mm -hmm. like betrayal is not even in that equation like you can't see it because the love that you thought that person have for you will protect you very true and yep. that is and a lot of us fall victim into that same thing as samson you know, and this is why the Bible is so realistic. Like everything that happened in this Bible is presently happening today. It is. There's like, so much. I it's agree funny. with you. It's so relevant. To yesterday, hang on. Yesterday, somebody said to me, I don't believe in God. Yeah. And, you know, before I would take offense to that, but I don't know where the thought came from. But out of my mouth, the minute the person said that, I said, well, not everyone believes in you, even though they can see you and hear you. And even if they love you, they don't believe in you. Yeah. So what's so that's nothing when you say you don't believe in God, because he, he knows that not everyone is going to be for him. He knows not everyone is going to obey him. He knows not everyone is going to go into heaven. So it's OK. Yeah, it's that's a OK. Good point. And I think, you know, in, in this case here, which we highlight in a lot of other subjects that we discuss is, is the fleshly weakness, you know, because mm -hmm. that is what destroys even the most powerful person. And we're all vulnerable at a fleshly level to try to sometimes believe something that we don't really have a foundation to believe, but we set it in our minds and we, we build up such 
uh, conviction that, you know, it has to be what we perceive it to be. Well, and it isn't. In a well, lot this of is cases. why we need to always ask God to help us to distinguish yeah. between deception and truth. Because it is so prevalent in our lives. The people who are closest to us are the ones who is quicker to betray us. The ones who knows our ins and outs are the ones who always betray us. And trust me, you don't have to go far for it to happen. A person doesn't have to come from across the sea for it to happen. It happened right under our nose, right in our homes, right in our lives. The people that we love and trust the most. The people that we that we allow them to see our vulnerability are the ones who take advantage of us. In many cases, definitely, yeah, you know, because it's it's so easy for them. They yeah. they they can map out a way to to just know how to to read you and to manipulate you. And if their intentions are not the best, it you become a target of their manipulation. And and yeah. I believe that is why you know. God did not completely abandon Samson, but he knew that Samson did what he wasn't supposed to do as well. And so he has to suffer the consequences, right? Well, it's almost like you lose God's empowerment when you step out of fellowship with him. And that is basically what Samson did, because this was a God-given strength that he got. You know what I mean? It wasn't ordinary strength. It was a special blessing that he received from God. And he sacrificed it, you know, at the hands of, of uh, you know, deception. Yeah. And then that's the thing. We may choose to be close to God or to go our own way, but there are consequences resulting from our choices. And Samson didn't choose to be captured, but he chose to be with Delilah. That's and right. And he could not escape the consequences of his decision. That's it. Yep. So, I mean, God, remember, God forgives the sinner, but not the sin, always. There's consequences for the sin. If you do something that is really sinful, you know, even though you can repent of that sin and be sorry for it, there's consequences, there's consequences for, it. for And that's the, the part I was struggling with yeah. earlier on in my spirituality, to try to understand that, yes, God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. Yeah. But then I also read there are consequences. The minute you sin, there's a consequence that follows that. Yeah, there And is. sometimes it may not be a repercussions right away, but it will happen somewhere along the it line. Will happen somewhere. And sometimes yep. it doesn't even happen to you. It's a generational curse you've just committed Could that be. goes on yep. to your children yep yeah it's very true because that is the thing and and i myself had a hard time trying to figure that out too so i had to kind of put it in that context because a lot of times we will do something that we deeply regret and we get on our knees and we say oh i'm so sorry god i repent for this but part of that repentance is number one not to do that again but even though you have done it if what you have done constitutes a sin in God's eyes, which it does, then there is always consequences. There for that is sin. always consequences. So there are always consequences. You know, because the, the funny thing about it is that there's a choice. That, no, actually, the, yes, there's a choice. You can sin and you can continue sinning. Exactly. You understand? You can sin and repent and never do, do it again, or you can continue sinning. Right. So there's mm -hmm. the sin, and then there's the sinfulness. Right. So, exactly. Yeah, that's Yeah, so that's the, yep. that's the thing, right? Yep. So who do we have next? The, the last one I chose was Hagar. Now, Hagar was not a voluptuous seductress by any means. Uh, basically, the, the Bible story is, uh, you know, God's covenant with Abraham. You, you read about Abraham. He was this, this man that, that God, you know, changed the direction of his life. He had started out almost an idol worshiper, and he became very close to God, you know, throughout his life. Now, he and his wife were older people. 
Mm-hmm. And their dream was to have a child. Now, they didn't have a child and they had gone way past childbearing years. Now, even though God had made a promise that they would have a baby at some point, because their bodies were getting older and they were fragile, they thought, this is ridiculous. This is not going to come to pass. So they, they had doubt when they shouldn't have, but they had doubts. Mm-hmm. And the doubts and the fears they had that they would not become parents forced them to do something that was somewhat scandalous. Uh, at least in those days it was. So basically, Sarah had a maidservant, Hagar, okay? Mm-hmm. Now, she was uh, an actually a slave, but whatever it is, the two of them had a good bond between each other. Hagar served her faithfully, and, you know, they never had any problems between the two of them. Then all of a sudden, Sarah got this great idea that since she couldn't give Abraham a child naturally, she was going to use... Uh, Hagar to go in and sleep with Abraham and mm-hmm. produce a child so that she could could have a child through that method. And basically Hagar did as she was told and she became pregnant and Sarah turned on her. They both started to hate each other. They couldn't yes. even stand to be in the same room. They despised each other, which is perfectly reasonable because, you know, most, uh, even though you said really that in a modern sense, that is what is done today because that's surrogacy. You know what yes. I mean? Another woman will go out and let some, another woman carry her child. Mm-hmm. And that's done all the time, you know, and basically, usually the woman doesn't have some animosity against that woman. She's pretty grateful, you know, that a baby was produced, you know, in somebody else's body. That's right. But going back to this time, it produced a a great deal of hatred, okay? Because once uh, Hagar became a mother, she treated, you know, Sarah like, look at me, I produced a baby and you couldn't have one. So right away, you know, they started to get a lot of uh, contempt for one another. Yes, But again, who could believe that Abraham would have had a son at 100 years of age? Like even in today's society, I mean, let's take your dad, for example. Yeah. Like he's at, he's at what, 70, 80 something years old. Yeah. Like you can't see him having a a child right now. No, of course not. But back in the day, for some reason, I felt like being that age, you had quite the strength. To even go and still make love to your wife. <laughs> well, I mean, going back, to, it's true, but going back to uh, early days in the Bible, many people lived to be over 100 years old. That's so that thing. that was not an unusual thing. And people had a lot of strength. They had their full mental capacity. They had physical strength. And they were still able, you know, to function in a surprisingly useful capacity, even mm-hmm. they, they, though they were older. So, I mean, I think that's interesting because basically... Uh, as you say, Abraham was close to 100 years old when Isaac was born. And yeah. that's that's the baby that God gave them naturally. So again, that's the biblical miracle that they had the baby at this age and God kept his promise to produce a, a child for the two of them. Yes. So that was the promise. But I liked Hagar because I felt that she was a victim of circumstances beyond her control. Okay. She basically had no one on her side. And when she was thrown out with her son and she had to sort of leave the comfort of Abraham and Sarah's house, God looked after her. He protected her because she really didn't do anything wrong. She did what her, uh, made uh she as a maid she did what she was told to do and she produced this baby she thought she was following what was wanted by uh you know the woman who was in charge of what she Mm -hmm. did and yet she was robbed of control of her own life so god still looked upon her so i think in today's contemporary society hagar shows that life can be unfair 
It can be difficult and it can be unglamorous. But she maintained her dignity through all of this. She placed her faith in God and even though she was put on the lower end of the stick, she managed to survive. And she took what happened to her and she was able to raise her son and live under God's blessings, despite what she suffered through. Well, the thing is, Jackie, as we mentioned, you know, sin is a poison that damages us and those around us, whatever our intentions are. You know, it doesn't matter because the fact that God told Sarah and Abraham what his plans were. Yes. But they still move ahead with their own plans. Of course, it's going to cause consequences and repercussions. Mm -hmm. And so Hagar being the victim here. Yeah. You know, she is actually the victim because she was brought into the situation as a way to help out. Exactly. And right? that's why I say she really But then she also became very she also became very how do I say? uppity. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know? She became pretentious and yeah. uppity because she sort of she did take She felt like she the commanding lead. Yeah. And but, she almost felt like she could take over Sarah's position yes. because of what happened to her because by she having felt, this baby. Exactly. Because yeah. she felt like she had something more to offer Abraham that Sarah couldn't. Exactly. Which was a child. Yeah. And to be honest with you, like in the African culture. If a woman not able to produce a child, if you look at a lot of the movies, you would see how contangorous the, the mother-in-law will become with that girl. Like, you can't give me a grandson. You can't give me a grandchild. I don't care. Like, they will, they will go high and low to make sure they are grandparents. Wow. You know, and in Sarah's case, yeah. Sarah was like, everybody else is having, why can't I? Yeah. But then it's all about fate. And this is, this is what faith really mirrors to. Yeah. Because when the Bible talks about faith, it talks about Sarah. Yeah. Always. Always. And barren women who don't have kids, their cries are like Sarah. Very much so. Yeah. There's, you know? a, there's a desperation there. Yes. And, and a vulnerability because as you say, you feel incomplete. And Sarah really felt like she was missing something. She felt like she denied her husband something that was so crucial to strengthening their relationship and making her feel like a woman. So she really felt her whole identity was wrapped up in giving Abraham a child. And that's what she thought that she was doing the best for him. Although it was in a twisted, manipulative way, she thought she was doing the best for the man she loved by giving him a child since she had failed to do so independently but even to that point when all that was said and done god had to go back again and show why faith is so important in order to please him you have to have faith because he went back and literally had abraham took his only son isaac to be slaughtered yeah that's true you see what i'm saying yeah because sometimes when when god asks us to wait and we're of not which the most... God, of which God saved that child. Yes, because Abraham was willing to do whatever it took to please the God. Yes, the restoring faith. the but, faith. Yeah, I agree with you. But in the beginning, the two of them they lost that blessing. Yes, because they didn't they didn't trust God's plan. And this is something that we all struggle with because sometimes that plan takes a long, long time to materialize to manifest itself, and we just don't have the patience. And as you say, we don't have the faith to believe that it's going to happen in a positive way so we look for our own way 
of resolving a situation and it always creates disaster. It doesn't produce good results. But I always say to people all the time, because that's one of the things they say, oh, well, if there is a God, how come this isn't done? How come that isn't done? Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people have their requests and then they made their requests known to God. They pray to God and said, you know, help me with this, help me with that. But I want you guys to know this also. The devil hears your prayers just as much as God hears your prayers. And he is willing to answer some of your prayers mm -hmm. quicker than God would because he's using you as his benefactor to do his will. So even when you receive that blessing that you've been looking for from God, you have to really ask, is this really from God? Is mm -hmm. it really from God? Wow. Because there will be consequences for you accepting something that you don't know that where it came it, that from. That isn't really meant for you. Exactly. Yeah. That's, that's Not because you want it, it means you should have it. Yeah. Not because you know how to do something means you should do it. Not because you're privileged to something that means it's a right. You know? So we got to be really careful how we discern some of these things that we ask and things that we desire. We have to learn. We got to ask God for the discernment for them. Yeah, that's an excellent point. Really good. Yeah, it's true. Because this is the thing when people pray, you know, they're looking for answers. But as you say, sometimes the devil can intervene. Yes. And that's why that prayer doesn't come to pass. And you may go in a different direction that is really not God's plan for your life. And so this becomes really something that we don't really realize that that is why we can get diverted sometimes and diverted in the wrong way because we, we lose we lose, um, you know, the capacity to see what God's actual plan and we purpose is for us. We lose the focus and we lose the, the, the strength that we're supposed to have. And a lot of the times when we get something that is not from God, we will see and we will know. Because you know why? We will still not be happy. It will not last. We will be tormented. How could the thing that we ask for make us so unhappy? That's when you know it is not from God. Yeah, it's very you you true. ask to yeah. be rich and then there's, you're rich and then you have sleepless nights. There's no peace. You, there's no peace. Yeah. You know it's not from God. It's not from God. Yeah. You ask God for a husband and yet he's not making you happy. You know it's not it's from not God. It's not from God. Yeah. So you got to look at things from a face value. If if there are things in your life that doesn't bring you joy, it's not from God. If it does not excel you to become a better version of yourself, it is not from God. Yep. If it doesn't make you want to be a better person, it is not from God. You got to start analyzing. And these are the areas in my life that I've been analyzing and I've been changing and I've been working on to become a better version of myself and not what somebody else think I should be. Absolutely. Yeah, very true. If I don't have it, I'm going to wait because you know what? I don't have it and I am happy. And I don't want to receive it and still be unhappy. That makes no sense. Yeah, because I, I sometimes wonder too, like certain things that I'm taking on right now, they seem burdensome. But then I look and I realize that it is God's blessing on it because God gives you grace for your place. Mm -hmm. So if you're meant to be in a certain place and you're meant to thrive there and stay there to accomplish certain things, you will get that grace that gives you the power to be where you need to be and to accomplish what you need to be. And as you just said, if you're in a place 
where you're not having that peace and things are not working out the way that they should be, then God has not blessed the destiny that you have been put in. And so these three or women... the destiny that you're living out. Yeah. And so these three women that we talked about have their own individual strength. They have their own individual personality. Yep. They have their own individual... Um, lifestyle and how they live their life. And a lot of women mirror these type of women, Delilah, Hagar, and Bathsheba. Yeah. And the thing is, it's who you are. Who are you as a woman? Who are you? Are you the kind of woman that pleases God? Are you the kind of woman that God is pleased with? And that's the most important. Are you pleasing God? And is God pleased with you? Because once you can understand that and once you get that reality, then everything else doesn't matter. That's right. It yeah. doesn't matter because all that matters is God's favor. Because not everyone is blessed and highly favored. No, nope, that's Some of us true. are blessed through other people. Mm -hmm. But the most important is when God blesses you, it's a blessing. And I'm pretty sure... God bless all these three women in their own way. Yes, he definitely did. While the devil hmm, takes takes his place in their lives as well. Well, the he, devil have the a position in, in all of our lives. It's, it's, it's whether or not we entertain him. It's how we entertain him. David entertained him. Bathsheba entertained him. Delilah entertained him. Samson entertained him. Hagar entertained him. Sarah did. And so did Abraham. Yep. So we all entertain the devil at some point in our lives, but there come a time when we have to stop the entertainment. The entertainment has to stop. And, and we, we have, have to, to engage. Serious. Yes, and engage in God. Engage, engage and realize that God is there with a plan and that even though we have veered off course, we can be brought back in and we can realize the true uh, destiny that God has for us. We mm -hmm. can realize that. And when we do that, we know that all the things we went through before we reached that position were just part of the journey that we had to go. But in a lot of cases, we had to defeat the enemy to get the outcome that we're looking for. And you know what? We're all women of great strength. We're all women of great character. We're all women of great integrity. And even though we may have such strong sexual, you know, power, we don't want that to be the only thing that we possess to get what we want and to be who we are. That's right. Because it could be a passion and it could also be a curse. And we don't want to use sex as a curse. Let's use it as a passion in the way it should be only to your husband. Yes, and exactly. Your it's it's a gift from God. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's an intense it comes out of an intensely deep commitment. And definitely uh, you know, Bathsheba developed one for David, and that's why they got God's blessing on a relationship that started out with less than pure motives. But all these three relationships encountered sex. That's yes, how powerful it is. It's true. But I think in, in Delilah's case, I don't think she received any blessing from God. I think no, Samson got it because she was pure evil. From beginning to end, she didn't have anything, you know, that was godly about her. She just wanted to accomplish a mission. You know what I mean? And she was... She was a, a, a destructive presence from beginning to end. But the violations that she perpetrated against Samson, God was able to turn them around and realize that Samson was basically a good person who had been manipulated and he could, you know, uh, regain uh, the favor that he had from God. Which he did because God did not abandon him and exactly. God would give him his strength so he can do what he had to and do. And all the times when Hagar was on her own, when she had 
been asked to leave by Sarah, God was with her all that time mm -hmm. because he realized that she had done something out of pure and honest motives. And that, you know, even though she was vulnerable, uh, she did act, you know, um, you know, with God's favor in mind. Well, thank you so, so much for listening. We enjoy speaking to you guys on a weekly basis. And we love discussing these topics because we find them so instrumental for our daily lives, for our spiritual lives, and just for our lives to grow in the way that it should. And we thank you for being a part of our podcast. Thank you guys so much for your love. Thank you guys for your support. We can't do this without you. There is no us without you. And we keep saying that. And hopefully when we get to a big and larger streams, you guys will still be with us. And maybe we can have an in-studio. <laughs> yeah, who knows? We're going to dream big. We're, we're going to dream big, but we're leaving it all in God's hands. Amen. You know, this is a journey that we've begun. And we thank you so much for participating in the process of our own spiritual growth and development, which we think has been a true blessing to all our listeners because they've learned so much from the comparisons and the reflections that we've revealed in our discussion. So Amen. thank you. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend. Good night.